Welcome back to That Rugby Podcast. Yet again, you're joined by myself and Husey. Husey, able to full, bring out the full Waratahs colours the kit today after a big win in the season. Uh, yes. Uh, I guess a starting point, a restart point. You've, you've pressed the restart button. 100%. That was a big theme in the uh, commentary for the game this week for the Waratahs versus the Force about whether this was uh, a reset point for the Waratahs, a new half of the season uh, and yes I, I think that is very much the case uh the waratahs a much needed win uh against the western force uh and a, and a pretty good win as well really uh showcasing a lot of their backline skill uh which i think is really superb this year uh the, the waratahs and i think the fords did an admirable job as well um but yeah very necessary win and a big challenge coming up this week though for them Totally, totally. I mean, yeah, you had to get your season back on track, and what a way to do it. Izzy Parise probably putting on his best performance of yeah. the season, I thought, um, was fantastic in that game. On the uh, flip- yeah, a, a big thing about that, they even mentioned it during the game, is after, and we mentioned it on the podcast, so we're sort of predicting, once again, we're ahead of the curve here, we're ahead of the game, <laughs> where they're saying, he, he, Parise himself was saying, I have to remind myself, I'm coming back from a full like knee reconstruction, basically, like the yeah. like the whole knee was gone. So I'm going to be a bit slower to start out and then start to pick it up. And yeah, he looked uh, superb along with Marky Mark. As always, Marky Mark showing off mm-hmm. uh, his skill. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, on the flip side, it was a dark day for my canes, I guess. Yeah, uh, I was surprised. I was surprised, well, really. I wasn't or wasn't surpri- surprised. Like, I went into the game not knowing what standard we were up to. At half-time, mm. I thought we were the standard when we were up 17-8 at half-time. And then the Chiefs showed why they're the top of the table and undefeated yeah. and why they're the team to beat. So, look, as a Canes fan, am I disappointed? Obviously, I think it, it shows how far off we are. Like, the two teams we've hosted, Blues and the Chiefs, at our house, we've been failed to beat. But I don't think we're that far off. You know, we put yeah. one really good 40-minute display on. Um, but, yeah, the consistency, which has always been a question for the Canes, stood out. So, I mean, yes. look, it was a tough watch. Rewatch, should I say, because obviously I was playing at the same time. Um, but it was it was a tough, tough rewatch. Yeah. It, it, I sort of tracked the game along uh, as it was going. I wasn't watching directly. But, yeah, just getting some of the updates – and yeah, I really thought the Hurricanes had a had a good chance to play upset here, but uh, the Chiefs, as you said, showed why they're in the top spot. They're the quality, they're the standard of the competition, really, uh, for what you want to be if you want to win this year. Yeah, totally. Uh, and then we had we had quite a bit of Pacific flair this this yeah. weekend as well. Obviously, the minor Pacific team hosting the Reds in Samoa, and the Duda making the trip to the capital. Uh, of Australia, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But not coming away with Ws, but playing some good footy, yeah. especially the Judah going there and pushing a, a pretty pretty close to full strength Rumby side was impressive. Yeah, uh, both teams scoring 28 points, coincidentally. <laughs> uh, yeah, the again, it's just the it's the same thing that's been dogging the these two Pacific teams uh, ever since their inception. It's just when they sort of run into these quality opponents, they tend to crumble away or not be able to hold into leads. And it's just, uh, look, the, the Brumbies are looking pretty bloody good this year, right? At the moment, they're what's, so yeah, they're second on the table. Their only losses to the Blues 
I believe that was in Auckland as well, while they rested a number of no, they uh, lost to the Crusaders in Christchurch. Oh, sorry, Crusaders. Yeah, there you go. Crusaders in Christchurch. I knew it was, it's one of the two. Yeah. In in Christchurch while resting players. Uh, so, yeah, that's, you know, and even then, only 18 points. So that's, uh, I, I, I see what you're saying, and I don't want to take away from the Brumbies, but that's what annoys me. That was that was their, they, they bet the Blues in, I think it was um, Super Round, which was impressive. Yes. And then that was their opportunity in Christchurch. Yeah to make a statement, and they rested all of those players. I understand mm. it because it's Rugby World Cup year. They've got to rest them at some point. It's a tough trip to Crusaders. Anyway, um, but, yeah, just to me, I guess they're looking at it now and going, if, if, if it had was going to be a loss anyway, and that's, I don't, that's what I want to say, is I don't think I, they necess, that was necessarily going to be a loss with what this Crusaders team is at yeah. the moment. But they've probably gone, it's going to be a loss anyway, Top two is the most important thing because if we make the Crusaders have to come into Brumby's territory for everything bar the final, um, they'll be in a yeah. pretty good state. So I, I can see what they're doing. It's just it was disappointing I, now. Yeah, I guess they they looking at, you know you look at the remainder of their schedule. They've got a week off this week. Then they've got your Hurricanes at uh, playing away in New Zealand. Then they've down to Melbourne as well, and they're hosting the Highlanders. Then they're at the Force. Then they're hosting the Chiefs, and then they finish off hosting the Rebels, right? So I guess they sort of looked at the uh, Chiefs and the Hurricanes as their two sort of big away New Zealand trips because technically they played the Blues away, but it was super round, yeah. right? And so I guess they sort of figured, all right, well, we're going to have a better chance of beating the Hurricanes uh, at, in their building than we are going to beating the Crusaders in their building and you get to rest your players for, you know, not having to make them fly over to New Zealand for those ones that are in the Wallabies camp, get them a chance to be a bit healthier. The other big test really comes with the uh, hosting the Chiefs on the 27th of May. That's going to be a very, very big test to see how real this Brumbies team is. And that'll probably determine whether they're top two or not, that one. Uh, could, that one along with the Hurricanes game. Could determine top one of their... On form, I know they're a bit yeah. behind at the moment, but if really, they just yeah. drop another game and they don't drop another game, I mean, hosting a grand final in Canberra would be huge for them. Um, yeah, so, huge yeah. for rugby. That'd be amazing. Well, it's not going to happen, so don't worry <laughs> about it. Um, maybe you can predict it, Husey. So yeah, mm. obviously another good round. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, to be honest, I hate these buy rounds. I'm not going to lie. I understand it's, it's a so little rugby. Year. But it's <laughs> just yeah, when you when you look back and you you can watch four games in the blink of an eye and you just like. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, hey, Super Rugby, it is what it is. Um, I've, I've, got, I've actually got a question for you. I've got a question for you because these are sort of what they're doing is they're sort of staggering the buy rounds so that, uh, you know, uh, two, uh, four teams a week get, uh, get a buy. Would you rather they do that or would you rather there was a week off for all take teams? A week off. Just take a week off. I'm of the same mind. I, reckon, reckon, I think so because they need, to ha- they need to get through all of these games that – you have to have it, they have to finish by, you know, 3 so, June. Yeah. Yeah. I just think, I think you take a week off and that's the week that the All Blacks have a camp and the Wallabies have a camp. And so like, yeah. you put that in the middle of the season, like, you know. I know and I, 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 that's yeah. why I had questions about as well with this upcoming Wallabies camp. And something I'm going to talk about in the post-podcast chat, so make sure you uh, look at that on our YouTube channel uh, uh, after you listen to this podcast. That's hence why it's called a post-podcast chat. Because there's so little information out in there about that. And it's like they're hosting a Wallabies camp. And I'm like, oh, okay. But there's still games this week. What does that mean? And it's just, 
I think it makes more sense for these players to just have the week off. Those that are going to the Wallabies camp, focus on the Wallabies camp and not worry about having to play a game at the end of the week. Exactly, yep. So we'll talk about that um, after this, but yeah, it just, mm. it makes sense to me. That why wouldn't you just take a week off and yeah. give everyone a bite? I, I also want to mention as well, because we haven't really talked about it this season, but we're four out of five weeks into it. Uh, the Super Rugby W is going on. Waratahs women undefeated at the moment, took down the Reds 31 to 30 yesterday. So that was a big, big result for them. Um, Waratahs women, again, looking like the quality team in the competition. They've been the best team in the competition for uh, pretty much since its inception, except for last year with the Fijiana Dura uh, absolutely tore through everyone, but they're looking a bit more vulnerable this year. They so, lost to the force, didn't they? Yep, yeah. they're two and two, the Fijiana Dura, uh, and they I think their first loss was to yes. uh, was it to the Waratahs? It was to yep. the Waratahs the week yep. before, so they've lost two weeks in a row. Yep. Uh, but yeah, Waratahs women representing strongly. W. Nice. Um, <clears throat> we'll move on to our predictions. We've got three predictions each for the second yeah. half of the Super Rugby season. Now we're officially at the halfway point. Um, I think only what two or three more teams, four more teams, have a bye next week. Yeah. Um, so, would you like to start, or would you like me to kick us off? Uh, you you kick us off. You kick us off. All right, I'll start with my first prediction. My first prediction is the Fiji and Duda make the top eight. I think it's a pretty easy prediction. Enough home games. Um, where we've seen how hard they are to beat at home. Mm-hmm. I, I just can't see anyone. Who who do you think misses out? Well, I'll, I'll save that one to myself just purely because I've got that in one of my other predictions. Oh, okay, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. You go, my friend. Okay, my first prediction is that the Waratahs will win five of their last six games to finish... Uh, seven and six on the season. So I think they beat one of the Blues or Crusaders. Um, pr- more likely the Crusaders since they're playing the Crusaders. Uh, I know they're playing both of them away. It's going to be a tough choice. Uh, <laughs> I don't know which one's more likely, but they're going to beat one of the two of them to finish with a positive record on the season. Don't need to ma- don't need to finish with a positive record as we saw last year from the Highlanders to make the finals. But, uh, but I still not. think they do. I think th- I think they're sort of unlocked. What they're about this this year, I think they've learned to just sort of trust their backs a bit more. I am making my second bold prediction: the Chiefs go the regular season undefeated. Ah, oh, fuck you! That's one of my predictions. <laughs> <laughs> Got it first. You should have taken my. I gave you the mm-hmm. offer to go first, my friend. No, look, it just shows that we're on the same page. Um, but yeah, I looked at it as well. I was like, yeah, I think the Chiefs go undefeated here the rest of the way. Yeah. Like, I guess this, this is our shared point. I'm going to break down the maths of this. All right. They play the Dura at home, should be a win. Play the Crusaders at home, tough game, but the Crusaders aren't invulnerable this year. Could Odds would favor the Chiefs. Yeah. Play the Highlanders in Dunedin, should win that one. Play the Reds at home. So they've got a huge number of home games left. So they play the Reds at home, should be a win. Brad Thorne can't beat New Zealand teams. Play the Hurricanes at home. Again, odds on favorites for the Chiefs there. Away at the Brumbies, biggest biggest question mark. Biggest. Yep. This is where it could all unravel. Really, is the Brumbies in Canberra? Uh, but you know, we'll we'll see what we, how we're looking at that point anyway. And then they play the Force in Perth, but that one should still be a win for the Chiefs. So there'd be odds on favour in just about every single one of those games, except for maybe the Brumbies. It will be interesting. Say they get to the end of the season playing the Force away, they've won all the games up until then. They're so far ahead that no one can catch them for first place. Yeah. This is like the NFL where people actually care about 
undefeated regular seasons and stuff like that. Do you? I, yeah. I assume they'll rest their players. Oh, I yeah. So, I mean, that could be a spanner in the work as well because as much as you know, how cool would it be to be an undefeated season, I'm sure they don't care about that, especially going into finals. They'll be resting some of their stars. So I didn't take that into consideration, yep. but you just putting that out there now made me think, oh, that's a tough one. Um, because yep. I think, yeah, I think they definitely have the possibility. Um, well, then I'll finish off with my third point since we both had kind of the same second point. Uh, my third point is the Reds miss out on the finals. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not as far off the Reds as I am off the French, as everyone knows how far off the French I am. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I, uh, we've t- spoken about it so many times. I. I would. I was so hoping for a Moana Pacifica win over the Reds just to yeah. really hit home my point. Look, I think the Reds have talented players. I'm not trying to get at that. I just. I just think, even if they make the playoffs, it's it's time to move on and, and head in yeah. a different direction. So that was my third point. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. So I don't have the same prediction, but I've got a very similar prediction. My prediction is that the Reds win their next game against the Western force. And then they lose all of the remaining games of the season. So they next game as they were by this week. Then they've got the force. Yeah. They play the Waratahs loss. They play the chiefs loss. They play the blues loss, play the Highlanders. This is a big one loss. Then they play Fiji. And I believe this game is in, in Fiji. Fiji. Yep. That's an automatic loss. You just don't beat Fiji in <laughs> Fiji. Right. So and they play the, but they play the Highlanders in Dunedin as well. Queensland don't beat New Zealand teams. Right, um, easy. That's, yeah. that's the easiest, easiest prediction ever. I would right? say they play, I'm, I'm, I'm they, even... they, the, the, remain, the remaining games, right, are the Western Force, and I'm giving them that win. Then they Which... play the Waratahs, and then it's all New Zealand teams and Fiji and Fiji. You don't win those. Reds don't beat New Zealand teams, and they can't. You can't beat Fiji in Fiji. <laughs> it's the easiest prediction. It's like you know, life, death, and Reds not beating New Zealand teams. That's exactly. what we've got now. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what happens. And to be fair. <laughs> the Force, I think, are a better team than the product they're putting out at the moment. Yeah. So is that in Perth or is that in Queensland? That's in Queensland. That's why I'm giving them that one. It's in Suncorp. But I still, you know what? Fuck it. I think the Force are going to win that one. I don't think the Reds wow. win the game the rest of the season. I really wow. don't. That's how off the Reds I am. And I yeah. like Brad Fawn. He's an all-black. I like yeah. half of the Reds players. I support Queensland in State of Origin. Yeah. But the Reds, I just, I'm off them. I'm off them. Yeah, the only the only other reason I really give the the Reds the uh, win over the Force is the fact that they, they did spank them so hard in in Perth. So I think that'll be may, a, uh, that was super round. So not even in Perth. was it super round? Yeah, it was. Yeah, there you go. In in super round. So in Melbourne, you know, yeah. the, the, Melbourne is the Perth of Eastern Australia. <laughs> <laughs> so basically the same place. Uh, fucking super ends keeps throwing me off. I keep forgetting it's round two, like so early in the season, yeah. so weird. Uh, yeah, but look, the, and then the rest of the way, look, the Waratahs are just better than the Reds, uh, and then it's New Zealand teams in Fiji and Fiji. So it's so I mean by, 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 the, by that yeah by that maths for me the Reds aren't making the top eight either. So look at us. We really should start putting our predictions in the run treat rather than trying to hide it from each other because we just predict the same thing. Well, that's that's why I wanted to hide it because I didn't want to. I didn't want to put a predict. I, I wanted to see if we would match up. I think it's better when we do match up. Just <laughs> shows how in sync we are. We should be. <clears throat> yep. 
You're not part of this, Siri. <laughs> okay, shall we move on to the Wallabies yes. camp? Uh, so, obviously, we're going to discuss this later, but I thought let's discuss the changes that have been made, highlights and movements. Injuries have forced some changes. Obviously, head injuries, assessments, everything like that that happened over this weekend. Men yep. players weren't able to show up or to attend the three-day camp that started today, finishes on Wednesday, in the Gold Coast. Those players out, uh, Ned Hannigan, Len Ekitao, Dave Pariki, Blake Shoup, Darcy Swain, Pete Samu, Lange Gleeson. Yeah. So, I mean, I think five of them, one, Hannigan, Ekitao, Pariki, Shoup and Swain, all concussions, concussions. last week. And then someone Gleason, um, recently injured, um, slash Gleason's been out for a couple of weeks now, um, yeah. and hasn't recovered yet. So who comes in? We got Lockie Swinton, Izzy Parisi, Reese yeah. Van Neek, Rory Scott, Matt Fessler, Ryan Smith, and Harry Wilson. Rory Scott, you sure it's not Richie Scott? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I'm sure of that one. Yeah. I'm sure of that one. Um, okay, well, what do you make first of all of the players that come in? And the players, I don't make much of the players going out because they're all injury based. But the players coming in, let's look into that, I guess. Well, I think Swinton and Parisi both really put their hands up on the weekend for inclusion into the squad. Um, Parisi especially, uh, the the backline was running through the outside center position for uh, the Waratahs. He's just suffering basically because there's just such huge depth at outside center for the Wallabies. Uh, and he's recovering from injury himself, so he hasn't been in his best form. But I think it's definitely good to have him in the camp because he's a special player when he's on form. Uh, Swinton, uh, look, I've always been, uh, I guess, um, mixed feelings on Swinton. I like him as a player, but I don't like his decision-making all the time. You know, high tackles, unavailability due to suspensions and things like that. But I think he does provide some much-needed bastardry for this team. You know, I'm always a fan of saying you've got to have one bastard in the team at least, yep. you know. Um, and uh, and not like an idiot bastard, I guess. Like, yeah, Darcy no, Swain's a bit even, is it idiot bastard, you know, I like with the head and stuff. Yeah, I don't think Lockie Swinton's dumb. He exactly. just... He puts himself in situations to like make big tackles, and sometimes those go wrong. And yeah. I think that's more the difference where yeah, Darcy Swain does some dumb things, but he headbutts someone. Yeah, exactly. In, but in injures, um, injures and that old black. Who was it? Who was it? He yeah, just yeah. You know. So I, I, I see what you're meaning, and I think mm. actually Lockie Swinton again, like you said, uh, uh, in the past week against the Force, showed how. And it can be to have a bastard like him on the field because he gets under the skin of players, you know, like does well, like will not, will stand up for yeah. yeah. And, and he had a good game and he's a great line-out option at six being the, the height he is. So I yeah. think, yeah, he, he, he earned himself that spot, especially from last week when I watched. I He, he played a very good game. Yeah, and then I guess really... Um, Harry Wilson has been playing pretty well despite the Reds not having a lot of success. He's been playing individually well, so... Uh, I guess, he, you know, I don't have too much comment on the others. Um, myself just not having watched them that much. But Wilson, I could say, you know, he, he's he's put his hand in the mix. But I, I actually think that uh, when a, everyone's healthy, he's not in the in the squad. You know, like I think it is definitely a case of he's put in because of the injuries to Samu and Gleason. 100%. I mean, he's 
it's one of those ones that is not a bad backup when you look at it. It's yeah. not a bad backup, but he's, he's not jumping them. I think uh, Matt Faisler, I'm, I'm hoping I'm saying that right, um, he played a very good game for the Reds, and he's played a couple mm. of really good weeks. Again, when you, Ryan Smith is an, an all right lock, but it shows the issues, the massive issues you have at locking um, depth, I would say that he's been called in because yeah, you just don't have enough locks. And then Reese Van Neek, I actually, in the first three weeks of the Super Rugby season, yeah. um, selected in, in my Wallabies form team because he was playing that well. So him and Blake Shoup are there and there, neck and neck, like for like. So I thought that that was a good pickup. And Rory Scott is uh, a young up-and-comer who has the skill. He's a... He's a I would say he's a specialist seven, but can play six and eight, and he yeah. threw one of the nicest cutout passes, like the nicest cutout passes in the uh, Crusaders game. Um, so he's definitely got some skill about him, and I think he's only like 21, I want to say. Maybe 22. Yeah, something like um, that. Um, yeah. I also like what um, Tom Robertson of the Force has been doing. Like, I got a chance to watch him a bit more closely against the Waratahs. I know he's in the squad already, but I wanted to highlight him as sort of a player to watch as well. Like, he's been really putting his hand up as uh, someone who can, you know, fill in a front row uh, position of need for uh, for the Wallabies. And, you know, yeah, he's 28 um, and he hasn't particularly shone before now, but I think he's starting to make a bit of a name for himself now that he's sort of got a, a more permanent position in the force. Totally. I, I Every time I see his name, I never really rate him that highly. And it's not mm. that's not against him. It's more I haven't seen enough of him play footy. I went to the game against the Waratahs, and the scrum battle between him and HGH, um, Harry Johnson-Holmes, was fantastic to watch. Like, yeah. you know, those are two good propping forwards going at it. And I would say probably Tom Robinson got the best of him, um, to be honest. But, yeah, it, mm. was, it definitely deserves... His time in the light and is a good, you, just as much depth as you can at those propping positions. Um, the only one I do want to bring up is Dave Pericky, um, being injured. Obviously, he has a history of struggles with injuries and it was a, a head knock as well. Um, and the depth you have at Hooker as well, because you've got Palau, whatever his name is, I've forgotten his name. Palau Fangar. Palau um, He's out injured as well. So. It's starting, like, you know, you. it's hard. Lachlan Lonergan's been fantastic for the Brumbies, so I'm not too worried about that. But Dave Pericky was a standout for the Wallabies last year, and you don't want to be losing him anytime soon. I'll no. be wrapping him up in bubble wrap. 100% needs to put his headgear back on. Exactly. <laughs> uh, talking about front rowers and scrum battles, I did just want to mention, I read an article on Rugby Pass, which I thought was fantastic. Um about the Highlanders versus Canes game. Now, in that Highlanders versus Canes game, you've got Ethan the Groot against Tyrell Lomax, probably All Blacks two props at the moment, going head-to-head. Now, there were... What was it? I'm trying to remember the stats. It was like 17 scrums in the game. There was only two penalties and one reset. And all of those those two penalties and one reset came in the first half an hour. It was ref by an Aussie. I'd love to remember his name, but I've forgotten it. And they said, like the guy who wrote the article was fantastic to read because he said that is exactly what world rugby should be looking at and going, this is what we want from all our scrums. Ten scrums in the second half, not one reset or penalty. Mm. And there was opportunity for 
um, domination on both sides. So if you were up, you, you, you were clear winner and, and dominating. If you weren't, you weren't. Um, and both scrums did dominate at points. We saw a great try from Q Renton being able to pick and go. We saw an opportunity for the Hurricanes, but they actually blew too far over the ball um, and, and, and blew that opportunity. Uh, but, yeah, I just – I'm a big believer, and again – Coming from a first five, so I can't speak too much about the magic that goes on at scrum time. But I don't. I, I love seeing scrums, and I think scrums are a key component of rugby union. It has to stay mm. in the game. But I hate when you see scrum penalties and resets, and it just slows the game down so much. And I want to see quick scrums, bang, we play uh, and, and move on. I just think, yeah. I'm hoping, especially as we come closer to the World Cup, that they will take note of that scrum battle that have took place there and use that as a case study mm. moving forward. So the referee, I've got it for you here. This is my research skills. Just to just to help you out, it's Damon Murphy was the referee. That's the one. Yep. There you go. And so You're apparently, welcome. yeah, did a fantastic job. And uh it was really great. The article, again, Rugby Pass, uh, yeah. I think they're getting better now that World Rugby has brought them out. But um, had pictures and, like, gifts of the scrums and where the penalties were. And mm. one was a Highlanders scrum, attacking scrum, and they looked like they were dominating. And when I, you know, as a first five, we see that and we go, how did the penalty go to the Hurricanes? But they, the way they explained it and... The way the decision that the refs have to make must be so hard. Like I, I feel for them yeah. in scrum time. But yeah, it was just a really interesting kind of look into the world of rugby in the scrums because I just thought, shit, like that's two of the best props going at it, and for the whole yeah. second half, not one penalty. When if anyone's going to know the trick of the trades to win a penalty, it's going to be those two. So I'm hoping going forward in Super Rugby we can get more like that. Uh, I want to touch on two final things. Jake White, uh, obviously former Springboks coach, I think coach 2017 to glory. And funnily enough, I saw another story today that kind of makes this chat interesting. Now we're getting on to what I am going to call the ghetto law segment. Now why I'm calling that is Jake White has come out and said the only way that South African super rugby team slash now United Rugby Championship team slash now Mm. European teams basically can win these European trophies and European championships is if South African players play for South African teams. So exactly the same as what New Zealand has, similar to what you have as the Gitto law. Now I thought that was really interesting because South Africa obviously successful at the 2019 World Cup will be interesting to see if that success here. But where does the, I guess the line go with success at club rugby because it's true like you look at the Stormers and the Sharks and and, and the top two teams knocked out of the European club championship would they have benefited from having all South African having a Fafta clerk in the team having Andre Pollard who wasn't playing for any of the South African teams playing for them and I just I sit there and I go he's probably not wrong but then Mm. if they want to make money and play overseas how do you justify that and then still being able to pl- select them? And the second article that came out today was about English Rugby Union because the English Rugby Union obviously struggling financially. Mm. Not the Rugby Union itself, but the teams in the Premiership is now thinking about how do we... Is it time that English rugby players can play overseas and still play for England and we're 
the white jersey. And again, top comment on that, I think it was on, again, Rugby Pass Instagram or maybe another one, um, was, oh, yes, they should be able to do it or make a quota of five or so. And I said, here we go, the ghetto law's up. So it's just really interesting, like, from the comments and everything from the Premiership Rugby, it was a big yes. Like, they players should are having to take pay cuts in England to play footy in England so they can wear mm. the white jersey. So they're forking out money just to put on the white jersey, but they could be doing that and still playing for England. Like, it makes more sense in England, obviously, when if you're playing in France or you're playing in anywhere else, like, it's not far to come back to England for a, a camp or anything like that. But it just now pricks me up and let's go, let's have a bit of a Gillow Law chat. Like, Aussies, you've got free. South Africa's fully open. England's closed up. New Zealand's closed up. I don't see a world where it's soon going to be every single team is at least hitting a quota. So, I've got... I I think I've got an interesting sort of twist on this, right? So, the Gitto Law... Is that, um, is that you know the Wallabies can't have more than three overseas players, like players that don't play in Super Rugby, essentially, um, or for an Australian competition. I I heard of something this week which I didn't know existed, right? Uh, but it sort of made sense, and that's in the English Premier League, right? They have what's called a homegrown player quota. So the rule here is, and and. Again, they've got so it's so easy to find information on these competitions. I'm going to bring this up later in my post podcast chat. But for the Premier League, on the Premier League website, each Premier League club must submit a squad list. Uh, each Premier League club submits a squad list after each transfer window closes. It can contain no more than 17 players who do not fill uh, fulfill the homegrown player criteria. The remainder of the squad, up to a total of 25 players, must be homegrown. What is a homegrown player? A homegrown player means a player who, irrespective of nationality or age, has been registered with any club affiliated to the Football Association or the Football Association of Wales for a period, continuous or not, of three seasons or 36 months for his 21st birthday or at the, or the end of the season during which he turns 21. So essentially, homegrown player means someone who's played their youth football in England. That's essentially yeah. what that means. What I think is instead of putting the sort of emphasis on the Wallabies to retain, uh, to, to have a cap is that we should just sort of allow anyone, anyone can pull on the gold Jersey for the Wallabies, the all blacks Jersey for the all blacks, the white Jersey for England. Anyone can pull on those international jerseys, no quota on those, but the quota exists within the domestic competitions, right? So super rugby has to have a quota of say 80% homegrown players, but, the key to this is that all competitions have to have this quota. So the Japanese league has to have a quota of 80% Japanese players. The French league has to have a quota of 80% French players. English league has a quota of 80% English players. The way this works then is that <clears throat> excuse me, the domestic competitions have to have a certain number of those domestic players, right? What this means is, is that there's limited international spots on those outer league teams. So, if you're a player like a, you know, we'll take Matt Gitter because the law is named after him, Matt Gitter, right? You want to go play internationally, right? There are limited spots internationally for you to go play. Like Japan, each Japanese team has only got a certain number of spots that they could fill on their squad with a player like you, 
right? So that means that there's not going to be all the super rugby teams can't suddenly go and play in Japan because there's not enough spots in Japan for them to play. There's just not enough spots. Japanese teams have to have a certain amount of Japanese players. Same with the French. They have to have a certain number of French players. There's not enough spots for all of the super rugby talent to go out and just go to these uh, different uh, different squads, right? Uh, that way is where you're encouraging your domestic competitions to have domestic players that you're teams could get behind right you know that they're encouraged to develop their youth talent because they've got to have some players that were in their youth system that were in the youth system of australian rugby in their ranks um and same with these overseas ones so i think that is maybe a sort of different angle at looking at it and it's not directly looking at the all the wallabies players overseas it's not directly saying okay wallabies can only have a certain amount of players it's sort of looking at it from the side where there's only a certain number of spots for players to play overseas. So the whole Wallabies team can't play, be playing overseas because there's not enough international spots to fill with Wallabies players. Yeah, I like that. And I guess, let's say, squad size is, what, 33-ish? Um, so you're, what, saying about six, seven, six players can be overseas-based? That's... Yeah. Not, like, I think Japan, it's four players can be at the moment. Just yeah. uh, But again, I like I like your... Um, idea of yeah, at least if we have even if it's ten percent, you know, can only be overseas, yeah. and it's a forty-person squad. You've got a forty-person squad, then there's four players that can be overseas. It's not a, I definitely like that. And again, I think yeah, it, it prioritizes that. Hey, if you're going to go out and select an international player, it comes at a cost. It's the same with like if you look at the IPL as a good example mm. as well. You know they. Do their auction, but only you can only have a certain number of international players, and ideally that's going mm. to help the Indian Premier teams and and the Indian teams com- compete. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really like that idea. I think that takes pressure off everyone because I guess the only disagreement you'll have is probably the French. To be honest, to yeah, stick another knife in the fucking French because they're the ones with the money at the moment that they probably don't mind spending so much on international players um, that you'd have to convince them. But, I mean, even if they were the only ones who didn't agree and everyone else did, I still think you could find a, a pretty decent competition and I think eventually yeah. they'd come around to it. Yeah, 100%. Like yeah. All right. Just well. a different, diff, different angle of combating the problem. And in that way, because, I mean, you know, you look at the premier, the top league, top level of football and the international game, and they're both the, the standard for world sport, really. And how do they handle it? They still have a really good international game and good domestic competitions. And how do they handle it? Well, this is how they handle it. I think the issue, though, with this is I think their domestic competition is a lot stronger than what we've, the product we've got at the moment. Like, looking now, again, I went to the, the Waratahs versus the Force and you had 15,000 turn up. It's... Uh, it's a struggling product, but we'll save that discussion for another time because I, I like that. Let's take it. So we've got the homegrown law instead of the ghetto law. Yeah. Check out the ghetto law. In comes the homegrown law. Yeah. Awesome. Grassroots law. Grassroots law. That's better. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, anything else, Husey? Uh, oh, just a, just, a, just a brief little thing. Um, obviously, with the Joseph Suali'i acquisition for Rugby Union, there's a lot of poo-flinging going on between Rugby Union and Rugby League at the moment. Um, I see so many articles. I see so much, 
you know, I, I don't even want to call them news articles. I want to call it propaganda from Fox League about, uh, you know, rugby union poaching rugby league talent. And, and then I just, the hypocrisy of it, because then two minutes later, they post an article about Lockie Miller and his successful adjustment from union to league. And it's like, <laughs> you know, half of the top players, half of the state of origin squads are Australian rugby schoolboys players. Right, like rugby league has been poaching for rugby union for forever. Like, you know, the Travoyevich brothers played union. Cam Murray played union. Like, and then I, so and when I see like you know panel discussions about how does rugby league combat poaching from rugby union, it's like they've taken one player. We've there's, there's been one player picked up, one big player picked up in the last ten. But you know, and then what? Easy Folau was probably about ten years ago now, right? Yeah. It's like one every ten years, like. Yeah. Fucking, it's just the hypocrisy astounds me on that front where you think about, you look at all of these rugby league stars that started off in rugby union and you're thinking, what the, what, what do you want about? Right. The, the, and again, it's again, this competition between the two sports, I think really just has to stop and just needs to, yeah. needs to get, get, you know, to, you know, su- support each other. Like, you know, you've got so many other superstars of the game that are never going to go play rugby union. Right. Yep. So when one star gets poached or one person goes across, who who fucking cares? You know, it's not as if like the entire uh, New South Wales Blues Origin squad has been lured over to rugby union. Right. Like you're yep. not losing that much in your competition. So I think just at the end of the day, right, Paul Kent and Buzz <laughs> Rothfield, the other NRL 360 panelists, just you know swallow a concrete pill and harden up. Right. Build a bridge and get over it. Like it's just, it doesn't matter. All um, right. I, but I know you. I know you. They just have to talk to generate clicks and likes and whatever. But yeah, it's I'm just, just it's sick not a deal. Of hearing the poaching tag because mm. I don't get that. They're like, this isn't. No one's poaching anyone. Like a professional athlete yeah. is signing a professional contract. Like Lockie Miller. Yeah. Like any any a contracted person. Can, I, I saw a, a news article that Will Chambers is signing for some. Um, yeah. AFL, like very low AFL. Like, don't get me wrong, but these guys are professional. This is their work. This is their job. Like, how good is it to see Lockie Miller succeeding in the NRL? Yeah. Like, I again, to me, it, it, it always blows my mind when you see poaching or anything. Like, like players should be able to players should get the best deal that they can get. It should always be about the players and not about the sport when it comes to stuff yeah. like that. So, to me, and he's not just, walking out on this contract like we discussed before. He's given exactly. them notice, right? And Hey, guess what? What did he play at school? What did he grow up on? Rugby union. Where did he? Who? How did he get into league originally? Oh, he was poached from union to go into league. You know, like it's just it's it's not poaching. It's just what happens. It's exactly what you said. It's just players deciding what's best for their uh, future. It's just professionals making career choices. Exactly. I yeah, it blows my mind there. And again, like let's look at it like Nelson Osofa Solomona, like is the perfect example um, where you know all throughout school. You know, Wellington is a is a rugby union hard. There's not not a lot of great leagues, so he plays union. But Melbourne Storm got him from 13 all the way to 17. He was flying over every school holidays to their training camps, and it's like that that will never get mentioned. But I guarantee, mm. if he signs for Rugby Australia, he'll be poached. And it's just like, no, he's making a business decision. Like yeah. he's got he's taking the best uh, best offer and the best for his future and his career and what he wants to do. So uh, again, they're going to make a big deal, like you said, for clickbait and stuff. But I just to me, I go, 
it's ridiculous to even say poaching. Like, I'm sure Joseph Suwali played rugby league when he was younger and rugby union. I'm sure if, let, let's say, fucking Tate McDermott all of a sudden decides to sign a league contract, I'm not going to be going, oh, they've poached him, oh, they've stolen He's made that decision that, okay, rugby union wasn't for him, he's going to go and play league. Like, come on, guys. Come on. Same sport, just, different I, sport, same I, sport. I had something I was going to say, but now I've completely forgotten it in the face of that. Um, Big Nelson argument because just the thought of him in the green in the in the golden jersey leaping up in lineouts is just it's ooh, turning you on. It's yeah. it's it is yeah. Look, my desk has risen a whole half an inch. <laughs> and for and with that note, we will see you yeah. next time. Thank you for joining us on that rugby podcast. We're here every week. Um, again, get far, get past these buy rounds with us. Just yeah. get past them, and then there'll be some more content. We've got a live stream coming up. We should mention that. We Not do. this week, the week after. Friday the 28th, uh, my Hurricanes against the Brumbies, your Tars against the Highlanders. Uh, we'll kick off at about five and run you through the night. It'll be a, a fun night for all involved, I'm sure. Excellent. Join us then and join us next time. We'll see you later. Goodbye. Peace.